Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the text to pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback Podcast. Um, today I'm here with Lou Priolo, who preached to our church family uh, this past Sunday from Luke 17, verses 3 through 10, uh, on bitterness. I'm also um, joined by Chaps. Howdy. Who is producing and participating uh, in this podcast. My name is Blake Rogers, and I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Christ Covenant. If you're new to listening to this podcast, it's designed to answer uh, any specific questions that uh, came on the backside of a sermon. Uh, it's designed to, to allow, you know, just to give us a platform for really practical application into some of the truth uh, that was taught. So today, uh, Dr. Lou, we're going to be talking about bitterness. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Awesome. Well, Lou, in layman's terms, what is bitterness? In layman's terms, bitterness is simply the result of not forgiving other people. It has to do with uh, reviewing in your mind, meditating on, musing over the offense, looking at it from one perspective and another perspective until after a while it develops into, uh, into resentment. The Greek word has to do with the the bitter taste of certain foods and uh, certain drinks. And it really has a negative impact, not only on the person who's bitter, but on other people. In fact, Hebrews 12, 15 says that we should be looking diligently lest any root of bitterness springing up and causes trouble and thereby many be defiled. So it's a big problem. And it's something that because we're constantly sinned against on a regular basis, we have to be vigilant about uh, so we don't allow bitterness to grab hold and take root in our hearts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so as humans, we offend one another, um, sometimes intentionally, mm-hmm. sometimes unintentionally. Right. And bitterness is the result of holding on to wrongdoings. Right. Okay, that's good. Or, or again, not doing what the Bible says and uh, forgiving the person, overlooking it, covering it in love, or actually doing what the text in Luke says you should do and go talk to your brother about his sin in, 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 the, hopes, in the hopes that he'll acknowledge it and you can verbally grant him forgiveness. Yeah. And I like what you said in terms of this is something that we all must be vigilant, right. vigilant to, uh, to deal with in our own hearts. This is something that we all face uh, in this human experience. Um, so bitterness obviously connected to a lack of forgiveness. Why don't you define forgiveness for us? What, what is that? mean forgiveness really means that you are going to not hold a person's sins against them you're not going to remember them in a pejorative kind of way god says um when he forgives us i will remember your sins against us against you i will remember your sins against you no longer and it's not that god has amnesia it it simply means he doesn't hold them to our account. He doesn't constantly review them. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love does not keep a running account of 
evil. So it's not imputing someone's transgressions uh, against them. It's not dwelling on them. And technically, if you've forgiven someone, it means that you've relinquished all rights, rights that you don't really have as a Christian, but all rights, quote unquote, to get even. Mm. You're you're not going to be vindictive. You're not going to take vengeance, execute vengeance against the person who sinned against you. So someone's done something wrong towards me, Mm -hmm. and I have the capacity as a Christian to forgive them, to relinquish my rights, to get even. You have probably the responsibility in most cases to okay. forgive. Someone. So how do I do that? How, how does forgiveness come about? Uh, you know, say chaps would never do anything wrong to me, mm-hmm. I know. Right. But suppose she did, how do I forgive her for what she's done? Well, the first thing and I, I should say is you've got to make sure that what she did to you really was a sin. I mean, she might have upset you or irritated you or done a dozen other things, but unless she sinned against you, she's not in need of your forgiveness. A lot of times people get offended over things that are not really sin. Um, then there's always the opportunity that you have to overlook a transgression, right? It is the glory of a man, Solomon says, to overlook a transgression. So the small stuff, you can just say, you know what? She's having a bad day. It's not that big of a mm-hmm. deal. I'm just yeah. going to cover it in love. And Peter says, love covers a multitude. How do you love. differentiate that? The the overlooking part. How do you know like what sin is going to like small? The rule of thumb I use personally is um, I give it a, if I, if I think it's an overlookable offense, I'll give it a day or two. And if after a couple of days I'm still musing over it and fuming over it, I, I usually conclude, you know what, it's probably too small for me to overlook. I'm going to have to go mm-hmm. and say, look, something happened a couple of days ago. I tried to overlook it, but I'm really struggling about it, and I just, I, I can't, I can't get out of my system. Can we, can we talk for a while? No, it's good. good. Yeah. You're practical. Yeah. Um, Lou, let's talk about the the relationship between restitution and forgiveness. Um, when you know, can you forgive someone and yet they still actually owe you uh, in order to pay back what they've done? So let's suppose you're the owner of a bank, Bank of Blake. Yeah, I and like I, that. I like that bank. Well, yeah. Great, I, great interest rates, guys. And I walk into your office and I say, Blake, um, listen, do you remember about six weeks ago someone robbed your bank of uh, $80,000 and you say yeah and I say well I really hate to tell you this and I'm really really embarrassed to have to tell you but you know I'm the one who took the money and I'm really sorry and I was wondering could you find it in your heart to forgive me what are you going to say what's the first thing out of your mouth um, the first thing out of my mouth is probably still going to be where's my money <laughs> your money Really? Yeah, where's I, my I, just, money, I, I just I just came in here to ask your forgiveness. I didn't want to. I no, don't want I can, to give... I can I can you know if you really believe and if you're really repentant here, I can find it in my heart to forgive you. But we're still short eighty thousand dollars, Lou. Well, I think so, you, I think you answered the question exactly. So you know if if you can't always people can't always make restitution. We can't make restitution for our sins, you know, against God. So, but as much as we're able. Bible teaches we should try to make restitution. So there is a connection, and you really can't say, you know, I repent if you're not willing to make some attempt at restoring, making restitution for what you've taken. Mm-hmm. So repentance a lot of times is 
you know, obviously forsaking sin and turning the other direction, it, it, but it's also seeking to make that which is wrong right to right. the best of your ability. Yeah, I mentioned it in the, in the sermon, you know, seven times in one day, if someone forgives you and returns saying, Jesus said, I repent, you've got to forgive him. Uh, he says, you've got to take them at their word, but that doesn't mean you can't say, now, wait a minute, this is the third time today you've punched me in the nose. I'm willing to forgive you, but, you know, can we please talk about what you mean when you say I'm repentant? And then another part of it is, okay, well, um, are you asking my forgiveness for stealing $10,000 or are you asking my forgiveness for stealing $37,000? I mean, sometimes we have to put in biblical terms exactly what the sin is so that we know exactly what's being forgiven. Mm-hmm. What about the other scenario um, where I come to Blake's bank and I'm like, Blake, can I borrow $300? And he says, yes. Then a week later, he says, you know what, chaps? You don't owe me anything. And he signs off on the papers and says that I owe him nothing. He signs off? He signs off. Oh, so he, you've it, got a document. you got a document. You yeah. know, it's legal. It's yeah. a bank. And, yeah. then, and then a week later, I get a call from Blake, and he's like, yeah. hey, so where's my $300? I changed my mind. Yeah, then, then he needs to ask your forgiveness for not letting his yes be yes and his no, no. Mm-hmm. So then at That's that good. point, he's... Sorry, chaps. Yeah. I forgive Sorry, you. Thanks for being a faithful customer. Um, so... Lou, you mentioned in the sermon this idea of forensic forgiveness, mm-hmm. and then you also mentioned this idea of emotional forgiveness. Yeah. Can you talk to us about the relationship between the two? Yeah, I really didn't have time to get into that because that's, that's in the booklet that I wrote. It's the second part of the, uh, of the booklet where I, I talk about how do you take forensic legal forgiveness. On paper, I have forgiven you. Technically, in the, in the law books of heaven, in the law books of my heart, you you're, you're consider yourself forgiven. Two, I don't feel like I've forgiven you. How do you go from, from granting someone forgiveness um, because you want to please God, because you know it's something that Christ says you have to do, to feeling like I've forgiven you? Now, I, I take a lot of time in the book to answer this question but the short answer is you have to make second mile investments in the person's life whoever wants you to go one mile go with him too Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing you've got to not be overcome by evil you've got to overcome the other person's evil with good you've got to bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you've got to treat the other person think about the other person respond to the other person in love as if he's been forgiven Mm-hmm. All right, that's great. Um, and, and, in, and in time, it may not happen, right. you know, the first day or the second day, but in time, as you regularly overcome evil with good, as you regularly make these second mile investments uh, in that person's life, you're going to actually feel as though you have forgiven the other person, provided, provided that, you know, you do it with the right motives. And in relationship to bitterness, it mm-hmm. seems that... Um, Bitterness, a lot of times, if what you're saying is true, it 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 relinquishes is it relinquishes its grip on your heart over time. Yes, forgiveness is instantaneous in the forensic sense of the word, but you know it may take a while before you feel as though you've forgiven the other yeah. person. But it's got to be driven by your conscience. You know, you've got to realize, look, Jesus didn't give you much wiggle room here. You know, it's not a matter of your feelings. It's not a matter of waiting until everything seems right you have to do what he says and your conscience drives you to do it so you make a promise and you keep a promise whether you feel like it or not mm-hmm. but let's suppose let's suppose you uh 
you you're gonna take your wife out for uh, dinner it's next. Probably a good thing to do. Yeah, next this Friday, and so you say, honey, um, I want to, I want you to get a babysitter, and we're gonna go out for dinner on Friday. And you have every intention of keeping that, right? And then you come to work today and everything falls apart. And it's just a really, really stressful day. You can hardly get home and that you get home and you don't even want to have dinner. You're just so stressed out. And then Tuesday, it's even a worse day. And Wednesday, it's even a worse day. And Thursday, mm-hmm. it's a much worse day. And like by Friday, yeah, mm-hmm. by Friday, it's like, I just want to crawl into bed, right? And you forget that you promised to take her out, right? So you drag into the house that night and all of a sudden you, you notice, or you've forgotten about your promise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of a sudden you notice there's not the normal smell of food. And then you walk into the bedroom and you don't see her, but she's in the master bathroom getting ready and you notice she's got this perfume on. It's kind of diffusing into the bedroom, right? And then she walks into the bedroom and she's all dolled up, ready to go out for dinner. And you realize, oh, I promised Mm -hmm. I would take her to dinner tonight. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep your promise or you're not going to keep your promise? I'm going to keep my promise. Yeah, right? Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody's happy. No, ain't nobody happy. So you made a promise. Your yes has to be yes. Your no has to be no. You you, uh, work up the energy. To do, and then once you do it, even though you're exhausted, you have a good time. That's good. Um, one of the pastors, preachers that I listen to on a fairly regular basis is Tony Evans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good guy. My mom. Um, he has always, roots in Atlanta, you know. What's that? He has roots in Atlanta. Does he? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But my mom, you know, we used to listen to him when I was growing up, but I still listen to him today. And one of the things that he said recently in a sermon is that emotions are dumb. <laughs> they don't think for themselves. They only respond. And so I think, you know, that seems to be in line with what you're saying here. Forensically, uh, according to the law, you have forgiven somebody in your heart. And then over time, your right. emotions will catch right. up to what is real right. as they respond to the truth that you continually say about a situation. One time, so, Sophia, my eldest, was little, and we were trying to explore at the table, trying to explain to her that as Christians, we have to be obedience-oriented, not feeling-oriented. We sometimes have to uh, go against our feelings and um, you know, put to death our desires. And so I was explaining all this to her, and then I asked her to sort of explain it back to me. And she said, well, what you said is that sometimes you have to hurt your own feelings. <laughs> and I thought, that's it. That's yeah. 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 yeah, so she got it. She was like three years old. But yes, I like that. You, you know, you can't put stock in your emotions because, I mean, your emotions could be the result of conviction from the Holy Spirit. They could be proper emotions or, or at least justifiable. It could, be the, it could be the anchovy pizza you had for dinner last night. It could be they're sleep deprived. There could be a lot of things. It could be your hormones. It could be a lot of things that affect your emotions, um, but you can't put trust in your emotions. You have to get behind the emotions and look at the thoughts and the motives and even the actions that may generate those emotions but at the end of the day we have to follow scripture if if our emotions uh, disagree with scripture we have to ask god for the grace to follow the scriptures uh not to follow our emotions and then in time our emotions should follow usually in a short amount of time yeah that's good 
So I had a comment go ahead. on that Jeff's. topic. Yeah. Um, so like when you look at Matthew 5 and it says, leave your gift at the altar, um, if you remember that a brother has something against you. Yeah. If you're talking about feelings, like thinking about that scripture in light of feelings, like you probably don't feel like walking t- 10 days back with your whole family to go tell someone, hey, I, let's talk about this. You have something against me. Like yeah. if they did what that, if they didn't do what that was, like they wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Yeah. Like talk about, you know, radical reconciliation. I mean, if you stop to think about it, I'll tell you what, tomorrow, just get up and, and see, keep track every time you end up making a decision that goes against your feelings. Uh, chances are you do it lots every day. First thing you do is you get out of bed, you don't feel like it, right? True. There are probably half a dozen, a dozen things you do most days that you don't really want to do it, but your conscience drives you and you say, I'm going to do this because if I don't do it, it's going to be displeasing to God. I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. I'm going to do it because I want to please my Lord. Yeah. And a life is just filled with those kinds of decisions. And the more you make those decisions based on scripture and less on your feeling, you're crucifying the flesh and you're building a habit of being uh, more, more of a godly person. And the more you give in to those feelings, you end up having less self-control. The more you, uh, the more you go against those feelings, the more self-disciplined you are because our feelings, at the, at the end of the day, our feelings are the greatest enemy to self-control. And self-control mm-hmm. is something that we're required biblically to develop. It's fruit of the spirit, but it's something that we have to cooperate with. So our feelings are usually our biggest enemy. Say it again. Your, your feelings are the biggest enemy to self-control. To self-control. Yeah. Man, that's a good little nugget yeah. Yeah. to hold on to. Um, okay, Lou, so we live in the United States of America, uh, which has a very robust justice system, mm-hmm. right? Talk to me about the, the relationship between justice and forgiveness. Say, you know, you've done something wrong and now you are bearing the consequences, the consequences for that decision. And the justice system is going to hold you accountable to those. Right. And meanwhile, the person whom you have wronged has forgiven you. Yes. Talk to us about that relationship. Well, the first scripture that comes to mind is that... Uh, Jesus said, mercy rejoices against judgment. So if you have to err, you err on the side of mercy. But justice is a very, very important thing, right? Justice and mercy, they go, they go together. And so I think that the, the most important thing, or one of the most important things, is we've got to be careful that we don't add to a person's consequences, consequences that are above and beyond what God, through the natural law through the civil government adds to Mm -hmm. that person. But I do think we can rejoice in the fact that justice is being done. And if the person is is not repentant, especially that, you know, the person is suffering the consequences and is not free to hurt other people in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think we rejoice in justice. We rejoice in mercy. But um, like I said, the, the biggest temptation, I think for many, for most, I dare say, is going to be the temptation to want to heap on additional consequences above and beyond what God uh, has placed on that person. Which, which we would categorically call that vengeance, Probably, seeking your yes. own vengeance. Yes, and like like you said yesterday, as we were talking, you, know, you have to trust God's justice. Mm-hmm. You know, every man's justice. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's justice comes from the Lord. And even if the the legal system doesn't spank the person as much as you think he should be spanked. 
God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he will also reap. And in God's way, in God's time, God will spank him right. until he repents. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and that's great comfort. Yeah, right? it that, is. I mean, that is um, because we do suffer large amounts of injustice, and mm-hmm. we see large amounts of injustice that happens yes. in the world. And, and it's hard sometimes. It's, right, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with. Say, Lord, where are you is, it, is the temptation, right? Well, and it comes from, you know, God is a God of justice, right. and, and this world was meant for justice. And so whenever we experience injustice, we don't really have a category for being okay with it because it's just not right. It reminds us that the world has gone awry. And that's because we're short-sighted. God will make all wrongs right, right. in his time. Right now, it, it, there's going to be some amount of injustice. But when all is said and done, everything will be made right. Yeah. You and just that's have to be yeah. patient. Which, to be honest, I think is one of, obviously I'm a Christian, yeah. but I think that's one of the greatest virtues of the Christian worldview mm-hmm. is um, that it, it does give people a firm foundation rooted in God's faithfulness uh, when you experience hard and difficult things in this life. And you will. We will. And so we need to be prepared for that. So that's that's really uh, good, Lou. Thank you uh, for that. Okay. Is there a different standard for forgiving our brothers and sisters in Christ versus People who are outside of the faith or non-Christians. Yeah. Or, or in another way to say that is people who operate according to different rules or standards. I, I think we're given more instructions. And so there's more work involved in uh, forgiving someone who's a Christian. We talked about Luke 17, but if you look at a parallel passage, Matthew 18, you tell him his fault. If he hears you, you've won your brother. If your brother sins, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about believers. If he will not hear you, take one or two with you, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact will be established. Then if he will not hear you, tell it to the church. And if he will not listen to the church, then he becomes uh, a tax collector and an unbeliever. You you respond to him as though he's an unbeliever. Anyway, the point is um, we don't have all those steps to follow with an unbeliever. So in some ways it's harder, but in some ways we have more strict instructions when we're dealing with a Christian. And at the end of the day, God, as I mentioned in the sermon, God doesn't want there to be loose ends between Christians. So at the end of the day, if, if you and I can't get something resolved, one of us has to go outside of our friendship and bring someone else in, try to find mm-hmm. the true yoke fellow to come in and help us resolve the conflict. Yeah. It also seems that, um, you know, when you are persecuted and reviled for Christ's sake, mm-hmm. um, th- that is a really great opportunity as Christians to, to speak um, of who God is. So when you have experienced wrongdoing and you with find it within yourself to go to that person, be it a non-Christian, go to them and say, hey, listen, you have offended me in this way and here's why mm-hmm. and here's how. Mm-hmm. And yet I forgive you or I'm going to, to at least have a posture of forgiveness towards you in my heart. You I'm might like, not want to say stand, that. I stand, they, I stand ready to forgive you. Yes. Yeah, I stand ready to forgive you. Mm-hmm. Um, that that proclaims to them the kind of forgiveness or forgiving posture that God looks at us with yeah. through his son. And so I think it is a, a neat opportunity uh, when we do experience, you know, hardships or wrongdoing from well, our unbelieving neighbors or whatever to, to, to be people of grace. 
Yep. And think about think about what it says. Be ready always to give a defense to every man who asks you the reason of the hope, a reason of the hope that is in you with gentleness and fear. But what's the next verse say? Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, God will be glorified if you respond in the right way. But the point is, we have to have a clear conscience. Clear conscience essentially is knowing that you haven't sinned against anyone without at least trying to make it right. That's good. Okay, um, another question here. Um, so in response to Sunday sermon, is it right to tell someone that you forgive them if really deep down in your heart, you're still angry at them? Yeah, so uh, that's a really good question. These are all good questions, but that one's especially practical. So um, sometimes my girls will misbehave and I'll go back to them and I'll say, you need to ask my forgiveness for that or you need to ask your mother's forgiveness, whatever. And uh, their response will be, um, well, if you want me to, I can ask forgiveness now, but my heart's not really in it. Would you rather wait until I really have thought it over and can more sincerely ask for forgiveness? And I'll usually say, well, sure. You know, as long as you commit them, you can do it soon, as quickly as you can, then we can, we can wait. I'm not sure that everyone always has that opportunity. I, I think as you look at all the scriptures, you know, agree with your adversary quickly. Seven times in one day. I mean, Jesus doesn't give you much time to get your feelings in order. So I think you have to try to get your heart in such a state as quickly as possible to be able to do this. But but it's driven by your, it's an act of your will. It's not an act of your emotions. So, you know, you pray, you work on it. But at, at some point, even if you're not 100% there, you have to say, look, this is what the Lord asked me to do. By God's grace, I'm going to go and do it uh, and I'm gonna trust that in time, my feelings will change, especially when I make, as I make those second mile investments in the person's life. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now this is uh, somewhat related to what we've talked about in a previous question, but just quite practically and succinctly, can you forgive someone who's not asking for forgiveness? Yeah, that's, a, that's probably the most difficult question. Um, I would say, Generally speaking, it's unwise to verbally grant someone forgiveness, to, to actually complete the contract and say, yes, I have forgiven you, unless they acknowledge their sin. It's like I said before, well, am I, am I going to forgive you for $10,000 or $20,000, right? Now, in, Mac, in uh, Mark 11, Jesus says something really interesting. He says, when you stand praying, forgive. And there are different ways to interpret that two common views of that but basically you've got to do something with your um with your emotions so when you when i when i verbally grant you forgiveness when i say blake i forgive you i'm really making a promise as i said and i'm really promising to do three things i'm promising first of all i'm not going to use it against you in a pejorative way mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell other people about it. And let me, if, if there's a biblical need for somebody else to know, I'm going to probably put pressure on you to do it before right. I do it. But you know, all things being equal, if it stays between us, nobody else needs to know. We're just going to keep it between us. Not going to talk to other people about it. And third, I'm not going to dwell on it myself. 
Now, if you don't ask my forgiveness, I can't make the first promise. I can't make the second promise because I may have to talk to you about it at some point down the road. I may have to talk to other people about it. But I can make a commitment to myself. Look, I'm not going to look at it over and over and over again. I can um, not promise you, but in my heart, I can say, I'm going to treat this guy. I'm going to overlook it. I'm going to cover it. I'm going to treat it as though I forgive him. I'm going to start making second mile investments in his life. I'm not going to allow myself to review his offense six ways to Sunday and allow the resentment and the root of bitterness to develop in my heart. That's good. And like we said earlier, like the, the great hope in all of this is that God is going to make all wrongs right. Right. And uh, vengeance is the Lord. Right. Um, I guess just as a last question, um, we, um, you know, we, one of the things we did on the on the backside of this sermon was we asked our congregation to send in questions. I just want to thank everyone uh, yeah. who did that. Um, but one of the questions that we received was, "Can you forgive yourself?" Yeah. And how do you forgive yourself if you can do that? So I'm a biblical counselor, and I'm I'm generally speaking opposed to using terms that are not found in the scripture, and you don't find the, that phrasing in scripture to forgive yourself. I will know where he uses that terminology. But I do think it's a valid question. I, I would just use different terminology. Um, I would say that if we have a hard time uh, dealing with our sin, um, we have to appropriate Christ's forgiveness. We have to apprehend. We have to study justification. We have to really, really understand that we have been forgiven and all that's involved in our one in our union with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that may be a, a matter of marinating our mind in the doctrine of justification. Now, as a counsel, I have to tell you that there are times when people come in and they say, I just can't seem to forgive myself. You know, I can't seem to get over my sin. And then I do some investigations and I, I ask them questions and I, I find out that what's going on is this. They're bound by a sin. Mm-hmm. They're habitually doing the same thing over and over again. They ask God to forgive them, but because they are not aware of or they're not doing um, what the Bible says they must do to little by little put to death that sin, they're not using all the resources, all the weapons that God has given them to deal with that sin. They actually feel guilty today, even though they just confessed their sin. Mm They feel guilty today for what they know they're probably going to do tomorrow. So there's a sense in which, yes, you have to understand your position in Christ, your justification, your positional sanctification, all of that. But if if you're bound by sin and you're not fighting it, I mean, maybe not even with 100%, but I mean, if you're not 85, 90% of your energy trying to crucify this sin, you're going to have a hard time, perhaps, really sensing as though you've been forgiven. Lou, thank you. Japs, thank you. This has been a really uh, helpful conversation uh, for me. If uh, you're hearing this uh, Talk Back podcast and you haven't heard the sermon, you can find that on iTunes under the Christ Covenant uh, subscription. And so go and listen to that. If you want to find out more about Lou Priolo's ministry here at Christ Covenant, you can find that on ChristCovenant.com slash counseling. Uh, we do have a biblical counseling center here that Lou leads. This has been a helpful conversation. For Lou Priolo and Cynthia Chaps Chapa, I'm Blake Rogers.